Hello, and welcome to The Invisible Podcast, where I share my thoughts on creativity and faith. My name is Chris Stetson, and today I'll be talking about a song called Michelle and Children's Christmas Productions. But let's begin with a song. In 1965, the Beatles released their sixth album, Rubber Soul. This is probably my favorite Beatles album and includes one of my favorite Beatles songs called Michelle. If you haven't ever heard the song, I recommend you go give it a listen. The song was written by Paul McCartney with John Lennon helping on the middle eight chorus. It uses uniquely French and jazzy sounding chords, but is sung mostly in English with a single line of French that is repeated throughout. Son les mots qui font très bien ensemble, which is an incorrect translation of these are words that go together well. The song is sung to Michelle, a presumably French girl. The singer goes on to try to explain his love for Michelle, only to be hindered by the fact that the only French he knows is the one incomprehensible line. My mom is a big Beatles fan, so I'm sure I heard this song as a child, but I remember hearing it and enjoying it when I was in high school. I thought the song was really romantic, and being shy and introverted myself, I related with the idea of crushing on a girl while having no idea what to say to her or how to tell her how I felt. As an adult who is now happily married, I realized the flaws in that romanticized idea. I still love the song, but if I swap places and try to imagine being on the receiving side of this song, it really starts to fall apart. I know this is odd, but just go with me for one minute. I can imagine a time before I met my beautiful girlfriend turned amazing wife, and a girl starts talking to me in a different language that I don't know. I'm confused and trying to communicate with her when she suddenly says one sentence in English, these words go together well, and then right back into her foreign language. So now I'm even more confused and things are just really not going well at all. When you begin to look at it that way, it's easy to see that you can't start, let alone sustain a relationship on such a poorly built foundation. But as I think about it, I realize I have done exactly this with my relationship with God. Our call to create, to be creative, comes from the Father. We are called to partner with God, to fill the earth with good, to launch creative projects that heal, restore hope, and point people to God's kingdom. When our work is just a filler, or we're only saying what we think people want to hear, We aren't fulfilling what God has created us for. If everything God created he called good, what does that say about the things that we should be creating? When I was first getting ready to propose to my wife, I was working part-time at Starbucks and part-time helping to lead a small youth group at a very small church. Needless to say, I wasn't on a very sustainable financial path. So when I went to my future in-laws to share my intentions to marry their daughter, I wanted to show them that I had the ability to be a good provider. 
So I decided I was going to become a law enforcement officer, and I applied for the local county sheriff's department before I proposed. My dad had been in law enforcement, and so I thought this was a good idea for me. This was in August of 2008, and I found out that the next academy was scheduled for February of 2009. We decided it would be better to be married before the academy and set an ambitious date for our wedding of January 4th, 2009. Everything seemed to be going according to plan until the recession hit and they canceled the academy and put a freeze on all hiring. I applied at other law enforcement agencies only to be met with similar situations. Everyone stopped all hiring due to the recession, and by this point, we were happily married, but I was out of work. I finally got a job as a security guard, the closest thing to law enforcement I could find. I wouldn't say that I enjoyed my job so much as I enjoyed that I had a job and was contributing to our household. I started working the swing shift, which, if you don't know, is the shift between day shift and night shift, so 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. There were often opportunities to work overtime, and eventually I was able to make my way to the day shift. After about a year or so, we decided to move closer to my wife's family, and I was able to transfer with the same security company to a new position in our new area. This meant that I had to give up day shift and take what was available, which was a mix of one day shift, two swing shifts, and two night shifts a week. In addition to the new difficult schedule, I also had a new and difficult boss. We'll just say that he wasn't the greatest, and it wasn't long before I couldn't take it anymore and I had to quit. I had a few odd jobs, and eventually I started doing some work for my in-laws and their water conservation company that they still own and operate. At some point, the church we were attending put out an announcement that they were looking for volunteers in photography and design. Since I had studied photography in college, I had always had a desire to actually do that for work, but it just always seemed so unrealistic. I had grown up in a small Presbyterian church and there wasn't a creative team or photography spots on the serve team. Now I had this opportunity to serve in a way that used my creative talents. I started shooting photography during events and services, and I helped with some small design projects. Eventually, they asked me if I could try to edit a video that they had shot of someone's testimony for their baptism. I had little to no video experience, but I went ahead and said yes anyways. The communications director showed me the basics and how to get a project started. It wasn't long before I started helping shoot testimonies and figured out how to interview people. At this same time, I had started back into shooting wedding photography on the side, and the communications director who first taught me to edit video was engaged and asked if I would shoot a small engagement video for him and his fiancée. Then someone else from the church asked me to shoot their wedding video, and before you knew it, I was offering wedding photos and video. I can look back on that point in my life and see how God was moving and working things out for my good. Editing video became a profession for me and led me to where I am today as a creative director. But I can also see that when I first made the decision to pursue law enforcement, I was making a mistake. 
I sometimes wonder what could have been different if I had taken that decision to my father in prayer and gotten direction from him instead of trying to take things into my own hands, instead of trying to do what I thought others would want me to do, instead of trying to string together words in a language that I don't know. To honor God with our work is to give it to him first. Then we are to take what he gives us and create what we are called to do. When our first intention is to honor God, the ability to serve, bring hope, and make God's invisible kingdom visible will follow. After the break, I'll talk about children's Christmas productions. But first, did you know that a study between 2011 and 2015 from the British Office of National Statistics showed that people who work in the arts or creative jobs are up to four times more likely to commit suicide? Male artists are more than twice as likely to commit suicide, and the risk quadruples with female artists. This is different than the average population where women are more likely to attempt, but males have a higher success rate. My friend, Megan Devon Funk has created Linked, a retail clothing line in direct response to suicide and mental health awareness among creatives and artists. Linked, spelled L-N-K-D, is dedicated to providing resources to creatives that encourage healthy mental practices, counseling, and suicide prevention efforts through the sale of their retail line. Each sale directly benefits community initiatives that bring awareness to the importance of mental health for artists and continue to fight against suicide. Linked is a reminder that you are never alone. You can support Linked through their online shop at linkedshop.com. Find and follow Linked on Instagram at linkedshop. Now, let's get back to the show. The first Christmas production I can remember being a part of was from kindergarten. This would have been 1989, so I don't remember much of the details. I'm pretty sure we sang The Twelve Days of Christmas and maybe one or two other songs, and we had made reindeer hats and elf hats out of construction paper. Mostly, I remember how fun it was. I remember practicing and rehearsing and being so excited to perform for our parents. It felt like a huge deal, and seeing how excited our parents were only fueled that feeling. I know my dad has the whole thing on VHS tape buried in a box somewhere. Maybe one day we'll come across it and some of the memories can be brought back to life again. Being a father now myself, I have had the pleasure of being on this side of a few Christmas productions. The first one was when my son was in preschool at the church where I worked. Seeing that I worked on the video team, I too, like my father before me, captured the whole thing on video, only for it to be tucked away on some hard drive in a box somewhere. But I can still remember the feeling I felt when my son stepped out onto that stage. Feelings I had never felt before, and also something I can't very well put into words. My son was about three years old at the time, and he didn't follow the choreography or sing along to the words, but he was out there, and he was dancing, and he was having a great time. It made my heart so happy to see him up there. My wife has taught me this new phrase, my heart was full. The performance was both horrible and amazing all at the same time, and I loved every minute of it. 
I imagine this is how our Heavenly Father must feel when we find it in ourselves to completely give in to the Spirit and worship Him without worry of what others think, but only what He thinks. I started playing music at a young age, and I learned to play many different instruments, including guitar. As I got more involved in youth group, this talent translated into helping to lead worship, which then led to forming our very own youth group worship band. We weren't great, but we loved what we were doing, and we had a lot of fun. As I got more experience leading worship, I began to allow myself to be distracted by shortcomings of other worship services. I would notice off notes, off rhythms, if the singer was off key or the sound mix was poor, or if, heaven forbid, someone was allowed to have a tambourine. I allowed myself to feel superior and to look down on and criticize the worship. I used that as an excuse to not enter into worship myself. A spirit of pride had come upon me, and I allowed myself to believe that unless I was leading worship, I couldn't worship. Even after I stopped leading worship, I continued to believe this lie from the enemy. It became an excuse for me to become self-conscious in worship services. I was more worried about what the people around me would think if I raised my hands in surrender. I believed that if I swayed or danced or did anything, I would be judged by the person behind me. I began to sing softer and softer, worried that if I sang off-key, the person in front of me would hear my mistake. I've since been able to identify this and work through it. God reminded me of how it makes him feel to see and hear me worship, even when it doesn't look or sound the way that I would prefer. But it's still something that creeps into the back of my head during worship services. Though at our church, Mercy Culture, you probably stand out more if you aren't singing at the top of your lungs with your arms waving, unaware of anyone else around you and focusing your whole self on the Holy Spirit. This same worship is expressed in our creating and working in the gifts, talents, and calling God has placed on our lives. When we are working in the purpose God has set before us and honoring the gifts and talents of creativity and ideas given to us from our Heavenly Father, it makes him feel that same way that I felt and I think all parents feel when they see their child performing in a Christmas production. It makes his heart happy and fills his heart with love. When our work is also our worship, we are able to create in generosity, a gift that is given over and over again that shows love and brings God's kingdom here on earth. As followers of Jesus and creations of a creative God, we receive our gifts and use them to bless those around us. For this, we must be thankful. Being thankful allows us to do our work and create with humility and with meekness. In Exodus 35.10, it says, All who are skilled among you are to come and make everything the Lord has commanded. The Israelites came together, each according to their skill and ability, in sacrifice and in service to build and create the place where the presence of God would dwell among their community, where they could experience the tabernacle presence of God. Our call to be creative builds community and connection to people and to God. We create for others and we create with others. Our creation in community connects us back to when God created the world. 
Often doing something not good translates to failure. And failure is often seen as the end. Really though, failure is the very start of something. One bad idea makes way for the next better idea. In John 12, 24, Jesus talks about a grain of wheat, saying that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it is alone. But when it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus is clearly alluding to the fact that he has come to the earth to die and fruitfulness will come out of his death. As creators and possibility makers, we can take a cue from this as well. When Jesus dies, his disciples and followers first see this as a failure, as the end, when in reality, it was the beginning of something new. The Holy Spirit had entered into their hearts and they now had a connection to God they didn't previously. When you miss the mark or when you drop the ball, when you flat out make a big mistake and do the wrong thing, it isn't the end. It's not a reason to give up. It's a reason to keep going. God sees your work. He sees what you are creating. And while everything we make may not be called good, it is good that we continue to create. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Invisible Podcast, which is written, recorded, and edited by me, with music from Poddington Bear. If you'd like to suggest a topic to explore on the podcast, or just say hi, you can email me at helloinvisiblepodcast at gmail.com, or find me on Instagram at The Invisible Podcast. To support the show, you can subscribe, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and even share an episode with a friend you think will enjoy it. Thanks again for listening.